Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to episode 168 of Maximize Your Influence. I'm Steve Olson, and I have Kurt Mortensen back with me from Qatar, Abu Dhabi, Pakistan. Where were you again? <laughs> All of the above, except for the Pakistan. So it's not Qatar. It's not Qatar. It's Qatar. And, of course, uh, UAE, Dubai, that side of the world. Back from there, spent a little spell in Houston to get some barbecue and uh, meet some good people out there. But... At home today, feeling good because that has been a rare thing for the past uh, couple weeks, a month maybe. Where did you get the barbecue in Houston? Stockyard. Stockyard, huh? It was recommended. I it was pretty good. The ribs were really good. I tried the beef ribs because I saw them a lot in over in the Middle East because that's their thing. That's what they really like to do. And it wasn't good, but the other stuff was really good. I went there recently, and and I'm a bit of a barbecue junkie. And um, I have it on good authority from a few people, myself included, that the good barbecue company on Kirby is the best barbecue. Mm. That is, it was very good. And a few people told me, you got to go to Papa's. I did. It was good, but it was not the good barbecue company on Kirby. And I'm told there's a few different good barbecue companies. The one on Kirby is the one to go to. Um, yeah, we got to throw Papa's under the bus because I almost went there and someone says, yeah, I went there for lunch today. Don't do it. So social validation kept me away. So I can't give you the feedback yeah. on that one. Yeah, I, I was not like I wasn't going, hey, I mean, it was all right. But uh, I think that's a, a subsidiary of Papa Do's, which is really good for alligator and frog legs and seafood. That's a big Texas restaurant. Yeah, Papa Do's and they have Papa's uh, seafood as well. It's kind of a chain and it's getting a little too chainy. Apparently. Oh, get too chainy and your barbecue goes down. That's right. That's right. I mean, <laughs> hey, look, some of these guys are masters. And if the guy isn't running that smoker every day and you want to open up 30 of these stores, I mean, it's going to dilute that quality. I've seen that with barbecue. I think it's very hard to duplicate a good smoke master, if that's their name, that can really do it and love their meats and spend all night doing it. I don't think anybody has that type of ownership. And when you try to open two and three and four stores, I think you dilute the quality well you get to hire an hourly employee to come in at uh, eight o'clock at night and season a brisket and smoke it all night you could you just not gonna get very good result that's what i'm getting at you're picking up what i'm putting down that's fantastic <laughs> yeah it's just the, the good barbecue company on kirby if you're in houston everybody I, I i really enjoyed it i am not what you would call a pit master or you know a, a judge at barbecue competitions but i have a rather refined barbecue palate i i will go out on a limb and say that and it's pretty good stuff hey gotta have it so there's our food for the day and have we offended a restaurant for the day so i think we're doing pretty good yeah papas <laughs> take that yeah whatever we like your papa doughs. we don't like your shorter papas that's right we don't like it well it's good to have you back kurt it's got cold here stateside i'm sure you were liking the nice warm weather in the middle east we had some snow waiting for you when you got back i tell you it was nice again Everywhere in the Middle East is on the beach. That's the cool thing. And then it was 90 in the day, 75 at night, consistent, never saw any rain, beautiful. It was awesome. That sounds great. <laughs> sounds it was. really great about now. It was nice. So you have a couple hours in the afternoon, there's a beach close by, you get some sun, swim in the ocean. It's uh, very relaxing. 
I got up early and went to the gym, and it was pitch black, and the wind was coming in sideways with snow, and it was slick. <laughs> I thought, oh, I could, I could use me some cutta right now. Yeah, <laughs> some cutta, some cutta food to get some pigeons, some goats, some camel, all the good stuff, right? <laughs> pigeons. You're, you're... Oh, man. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, they gave me pigeon. Again, it's, it is the delicacy for Egyptian food. So good oh, every wow. night we go. Egyptian food, then Pakistani food, then Afghanistan food, then Iranian food, which is very different from Iraqi food. And then they say, can we just go to Applebee's? I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we did a couple nights at Applebee's when they were sick of the local food. And I don't know how local it is. I mean, when you get all these national restaurants on there, I, what is local, right? <laughs> I mean, is that local? is the ultimate in contrast. You go from Iranian food to Applebee's. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Applebee's. We were pulling some late night sessions, doing some late trainings. That was about the only thing that was open late at night was Applebee's. And, you, <laughs> you know, go get some spinach dip, a cheeseburger, <laughs> Coke. It's like, <laughs> uh, you forget, oh yeah, I'm in a different country. Huh? Yep, yep. Well, I hope the service at Applebee's in Cutta was better than it is here. Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. They're a little oh. more brutal because they recruit their work and somehow the wrong order was placed and the worker was all upset because she was going to have to pay for it. I'm like, Wow. So we eventually paid for it. We didn't need it, but we paid for it. But we didn't want her to pay for it because I think she's from the Philippines, barely making ends meet there. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. You put in the wrong order. You got to eat it, huh? Yeah, I guess you got to eat it or someone's got to pay for it. Yeah, you got a crazy customer mistakes. wants to insist that it's wrong. And, yeah, the, the poor Filipino immigrant barely making it has to. I know. I felt bad. So I'm oh, that's alone. not cool. We'll take but the cool thing they do, they, they order tons of food, at least the people I'm with, and they always bag it up and find somebody that needs it on the street and gives them a dinner. Oh, there you go. Well, why don't we launch into this thing today? What do you say? Let's do it. Yeah, we can talk about food all day, which we've been known to do. But first of all, we want to queue up the article, which means Urkel is in inbound. Go ahead, Kurt. Urkel, go! <laughs> all right, what do you got for us? Oh, worst negotiation tactics of 2015. Ooh, somebody's yeah. keeping track besides us? That would be Harvard. They got a whole organization of negotiation techniques, things that are working, not working. It's pretty interesting stuff. But they compiled some mistakes for 2015. Okay. What are a couple of the ones that uh, are worth discussing? Well, the first one is stonewalling. And they used an example between Jason Pierre Paul, the New York Giants. They were holding off. Things were happening because they wanted, I guess he wanted the franchise tag. And they were going back and forth. The Giants countered with a $60 million contract. He held out, but then he got an injury. He lost his right index finger, and uh, yeah, not on the table anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was pretty brutal. Yeah. So, I mean, stonewalling can have its place, but you got to be careful because you could stonewall yourself right out of a contract and get nothing. So something's better than nothing. So they put that up there Okay. as one of the big ones. Another one they came up with is a flawed team approach. I guess three co-stars of the Real Housewives of New York tried the team approach, and they joined their forces to ban these high salaries. We all need this. But they didn't have what it takes. The network thought the women could be easily replaced, and that's exactly what happened. They were all ousted because their demands were too high, and they tried the team approach. They're like, all right, we'll just start over, and they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you go too hard at it, and... You back somebody into a corner, and they, they, any deal's better than this deal. I'm out. It is. Another mistake or blunder is Edward Snowden's bad, what they call BATNA, which means best alternative to a negotiated agreement. Of course, he's the whistleblower on all national security agencies link in their surveillance program. 
But he's had little luck negotiating his three felony charges with the U.S. federal government. Okay. He wants to come back home from Moscow. He's offered to go to prison, but it doesn't sound like they're listening. He's uh, burned that bridge, and he's talking to the same people that he threw under the bus. So I think he better get used to Russian food. <laughs> he must not like Moscow. <laughs> I want to go to prison in the U.S. instead of staying yeah, in Moscow. Yeah, it's cold there, and there's not a lot of Russian restaurants for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about Russian restaurants. When you go to a Russian restaurant, you're there all night from 6 to midnight. It's a whole ordeal. And the first two a, hours is vodka. Yeah, you know, between every meal is vodka, so you got to watch yourself. Yeah. Another blunder they came up with was the overly orderly approach. And the example they give was the first round of talks launched by the U.S. government when they were working with Cuba weren't working very well. They were making a little headway because they decided to focus on one issue at a time. Now, that can be a good thing. But they found that the orderly approach and the way they wanted to negotiate and the way the U.S. wanted to negotiate were two very different things. So the U.S. came in and said, all right, here's our list of 20 things, one at a time. And Cuba didn't want to negotiate that way, wasn't used to negotiating that way. They wanted to kind of pick and choose and go after a few things, and it didn't work out that time. That was earlier this year when they tried to do that. Mm-hmm. Interesting blunders from uh, Harvard. Of course, when you're in the middle of blunder, you don't see it till it actually happens. Then you get to be one of their blunders of the year. That's right. Yeah, you never see it when it's happening. Otherwise, people wouldn't do it. <laughs> I know. But they, now they're famous for the wrong ways. What do you think was the worst one out of all those? What's your personal opinion? I mean, I'm going to go with the Cuba thing because this is something all our listeners can learn from. We tend to negotiate how we like to be negotiated with. Some people like order. Some people don't. Some people, the way they treat time, the way they treat space, the way they treat two different things. And we do all this research expecting it to go this way, and we expect the outcome to be this way. And if you're not flexible, willing to adapt, and willing to change up in a negotiation and be willing to see that they might have a better idea than you, that's where it goes south most of the time because we do all this preparation, but you still have to be flexible. You have to adapt to them, their style, their country, their culture, their personality. And if you're not willing to do that, you're never going to be really good at negotiation. Okay, fair enough. So we want to move on to the next portion of the show here. <clears throat> and uh, Kurt, you talked a lot about this with the uh, clients in the Middle East. And some of the things that, uh, well, some of the ways that we use failure that hold us back. In fact, you call this the three breaks of failure. Can you elaborate on that? I use the car example because if people could really relate to, okay, if a car's in, in first gear and you have the emergency brake on, and you're wondering why you're not going very fast, well, you got to back up and take a look at a few things. And that's how most people feel about success. They want to be successful, and they try this, it didn't work. And they, they want to be successful, they try that, it didn't work. And my big eye-opener for this, and this was early on when I was working with Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn, I started to become a personal development junkie, and you go to all these seminars, and all these people talk about vision, mindset, goal setting, all these things. And I was guilty sitting in the back thinking, yeah, yeah, okay, I heard it before. Give me the tools. I mean, really, mm-hmm. come on, what yeah. are the tools? And it wasn't until the day I realized, those are the tools. <laughs> and until you have those tools, nothing else matters. You could have a Ferrari in first gear with the emergency brake on. You've got all this power and potential. You're not going to reach it because you're not getting out of first gear. You're not taking the brakes off. And that's what most people have done with success is they're wondering what's taking so long. They never spend the time. They're quick to go to a business opportunity class or a real estate class or any type of class to be more successful. But until the mindset's right, until those emergency breaks off, until you get out of first gear, it doesn't matter. The vehicles are great. There are plenty of vehicles to become wealthy. 
But unless you have the, the gas to the engine, unless you take the brakes off, it's not going to matter. Right, right. So the first one, and, and big one for most people, and, and they're in denial about this, is fear. And everything you want in life is on the other side of fear. And, and fear can come from society. It can come from our self-experience, parents. But you have to realize you have to overcome fear. And we've talked about this on the show, that you're only born with two fears. And this is such an eye-opener for everybody to tell this to, and even other cultures, is that everybody around the world is a one-day-year-old baby, has two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, that's yep. it. All these other fears are learned, and so the good news is you could unlearn them. But you have to realize that if it's a learned fear, if it's public speaking, that you're replaying all these bad experiences subconsciously, and that's triggering negative emotions, which affect your actions. It could be the fear of success, which is a big fear, which is amazing. But people maintaining that fear is a big issue. What other people say, fear of failure, fear of criticism. Let's, let's, let's address the fear of criticism, because that's the biggest one for most people. They get into a business, they're all excited, they bought something off the internet, they tell Aunt Edna at a family gathering and they beat him up. Well, you're stupid. Why are you trying this? I've tried that before. It doesn't work. You got scammed. And all of a sudden, without they haven't even tried and they've been buried three feet under criticism and they just don't do anything with mm -hmm. it. Right. And we've learned this as, as presenters and public speakers is you can have 100 people in a room, right? And you finish up. And as a presenter, you're giving them your heart and soul. You're putting yourself out there. And 10 people will come up and say, oh, awesome, great, changed my life. And then there's the one person that says, yeah, I expected more from you. <laughs> so here you have a, a 10 to 1 ratio, and your brain stuck on the one moron that said he didn't like it. He might have even liked it. And that's one training thing that I do is says, look, you can give a perfect presentation. But I guarantee you, after that perfect presentation, someone's going to find something wrong with it. Someone's going to say something mean. Someone's going to have an opinion. Someone's going to do something just that's going to mess with your brain. And that's just how it is. And that's why it's so important to learn to, to follow your heart, to find your purpose and passion. And it, it reminds me of one of my favorite fables about this uh, a farmer and his wife. They, you know, they had a son. They were raising their son. They didn't have a lot of money. And their dream was to have a donkey because that was just going to change everything around the farm. And they saved enough money. After oh, it was three, four years, they bought this new donkey. They really took care of it. It just changed everything. And the day came where they're going to be able to take the donkey to town kind of fun for other people to see the donkey and so the father the son just started pulling the donkey into town and the first neighbor says what are you guys stupid you got a donkey you should be riding it why don't you ride the donkey I'm like, oh okay so the son got on the donkey and the man was pulling the donkey in the town the next neighbor says that son doesn't respect his father it makes his father walk what kind of son is that so the son got off and the father got on the son kept pulling it into town and the next neighbor says man Look at that father doesn't care about his son making his son walk. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. So then they both get on the donkey, and they're going into town, and the next neighbor says, man, that's animal abuse. How could you do that to that poor donkey, both of you riding it? And they're like, oh, oh, yeah. So they didn't know what to do. So they, they chopped up a tree branch. They tied the donkey's feet onto the branch, and they both carried the donkey in into town. They were carrying the donkey upside down, and the donkey was didn't like that, was kicking and kicking, and and they were going over a bridge and kicked out, fell over the bridge into the water and died. How's that for a great story ending? <laughs> Isn't that life, right? They tried everything. They couldn't please anybody. And if that's your goal to please everybody, it will give you an aneurysm. I mean, yeah. it's just not yeah. going to happen. And that's why it's so important that you follow your heart. You do what you can. You get to realize even after something's perfect, even if you make a mistake, there's criticism, there's ridicule, there's finger pointing. 
I mean, people aren't going to like you for driving a nicer car or giving a better presentation or having a better idea or having more money. We've got to deal with that and move on. And if your fear is criticism, it's going to suck the life out of you, hold you back because people will criticize. Even if you're perfect, people will criticize and you've got to move on. I mean, look at politics, right? Especially in the United States right now, no matter what you do, half the people will like it and half the people will say that's the dumbest idea ever. And you just got to go with your gut. You got to go with your heart and do what you feel is right. Otherwise, you'll be paralyzed and never accomplish anything. That's true. It's true. It's really easy to say that when you're not in the middle of it, but uh, wanting approval from everybody, you're just never going to get it. It's not mathematically possible to get it. But too many people judge themselves assuming that it is possible. And it just really holds back productivity. It does. It really sucks the life out of us. And we're programmed to want approval. We want that validation. And, you know, that's one thing that if you're having a challenge with that, just turn off your Facebook because you can't win because you're always going to judge your boring moments to people's Paris moments, right? You're going to judge your moments of doing nothing to somebody that just got a big award. And you'll never win with that because we always compare our weaknesses to other people's strengths or our boring moments to people's historic moments. And when we have that as a mindset, it's a downward spiral to low self-esteem, getting stuck in criticism, not having the right mindset and destined for failure. I have a nine-year-old daughter and she was sitting down with my wife the other day and my wife was scrolling through her Instagram, just kind of seeing what was going on. And this was actually my daughter's first real exposure to social media. Mm. I mean, she had seen us looking at it before, but now she sat down and looked at it and she went insane. I mean, we had to talk her out off the cliff. Uh, <laughs> she just could not handle seeing all these highlight reels. And she was starting to complain, like, how come we don't have that? <laughs> <laughs> and I had to tell her, they, uh, they don't either, you know, and they, they use the bathroom, too. And, you know, all these, they're, they're people. And it was pretty amazing to see that happen. And that's what it does. And it's, it's worse now than it's ever been. Yeah, it could really damage your psyche. Yeah. What's the second one, Kurt? Well, you've got to take a look at your loser's limp. That is another big one that can really hurt people, causes them to procrastinate, which is a whole other series of things we should be talking about. And, and your loser's limp is basically your pre-excuse for failure. We see this in sports, especially amateur sports. You know, say before a marathon, eh, you know, my knee's been hurting. I'll, I'm not sure. I'll just try it. I didn't train very well for this one, so we'll just see what happens. And well, I had that big meal last night, and I had too much to drink, and so, you know. So the race hasn't even started, and everyone has given themselves a reason that it's okay to fail. It's okay not to win. And we do this all the time, especially in public speaker giving a presentation. It's amazing. That's the first thing we have to reprogram with people is before a presentation, what's going through their mind? Oh, what if I don't do well? And, you know, I'm not really good at public speaking, and this is going to happen, and that could happen. And we program ourselves it's a self-esteem thing where we give ourselves a reason it's okay to fail before we even start. And you've got to be very careful with this that you don't do that. You've got to give yourself the benefit of the doubt. If you're in sales, oh, they won't be interested. Or I don't know much about that product. Or last time I came in, they didn't give me the time of day. And we're saying things before we've even tried that really sucks the life out of ourselves and our presentation, destroys our self-esteem. And you have to think, okay, what is your loser's limp? What are you doing? Are you saying – well, I don't have a college degree. I'm not a people person. I'm not good at persuasion. And, well, I haven't studied this enough. And, 
well, so-and-so's better than me, and they have a better product. I mean, we get stuck in this downward spiral that it really hurts us. And so identify your loser's limp. What are you saying before you even try that's giving yourself excuse that it's okay to fail? Because that can be very, very hurtful. Okay, what's our third and final one, Kurt? Procrastination. And we all get stuck in this where we postpone an important event, an excuse not to perform. Now, you could be lack of motivation, being overwhelmed. It could be fear. But it's a big challenge where we're procrastinating. We're not doing the most important things. The way you manage your time and overcome procrastination is the difference between success and failure. Because millionaires have the same amount of time as those that are broke. It's how much they get done. It's how much time they use. And that's a big challenge that people just don't realize. And there's a couple things here that can you can think about as you think about do you procrastinate? Are you doing the most important things? Are you doing income-producing activities is – First of all, if you start the day overwhelmed, you're not going to accomplish much because when the brain gets overwhelmed, it shuts down and you do nothing. And so maybe you need to break down your, your day into smaller, manual, bite-sized pieces. And I wouldn't even start your day till it's done on paper, till you've figured out the most important things that you need to do. But here's a, one that you can really think about that is new to a lot of people is all humans have about a four-hour block of the day where cognitively, mentally, they're the sharpest they can. They can accomplish the most. Some are in the morning, some in the afternoon, some at night, some in the middle of the night. Whatever it is, it's fine. But you need to decide what is your four-hour block of the day, and that's where you get the stuff done. That's where you turn off the phone and turn off your email and really focus on what you need to do. Because if it's in the morning and you get to your desk and you're answering email and returning voicemails and where you're going to go to lunch and check your stocks or whatever you're doing, that's not the most important use of your time. Put that off till later. Now, if morning's not your prime time, maybe that's okay, but you've got to find your two, three, four-hour block where you're getting it done, you're making it happen, you're the most focused. Again, don't take those phone calls. Don't, don't have those meetings that don't matter to you. Don't do the things that aren't the most important. You choose that block of time, and that'll be a huge piece in, in your time management and overcoming procrastination. Mm, that's right. Anything else on procrastination, or are you going to do it later? <laughs> I was going to put it off till next week <laughs> <laughs> okay good good well then why don't we queue up the blunder Ooh, homer go don't 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 okay i'll handle this one this is uh best buy the large electronics retailer and oh boy did they screw up on mm. on saturday with me uh, do I tell have... do tell the world <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> So I have a couple of presentations I need to go to do this week, and usually I've rented uh, projectors on site when one has been needed, and that's getting to be, uh, and well, economically just not a very good decision. I figure this is time to buy one uh, to take out on the road with me, and I have it. So I did a little bit of research online, not very much, but I was ready. I found one. I think it was like $600 for this uh, projector, and I went marching in there on Saturday night. My wife and I were actually wrapping up a little night out and i said hey i gotta stop over here there's best buy let's go get this done and if you want to buy a projector you got to go over to the home theater section of the store and they had three workers behind this desk talking to one client who had something pretty big going on i guess and hey can somebody just get a projector down for me and oh yeah we'll be with you in a moment sir many moments many many moments <laughs> went by and I looked up online that they have the projector available in the store. I'm sitting here looking up online on my phone in front of the Best Buy employees. It was easier to do that. All right, that's bad. Okay, that's very bad. 
So I went over to the customer service desk and said, hey, you have this in stock. I just want to buy this and get out of here. Oh, well, you need to go talk to the home theater guys. Okay. Well, yeah, they, they, there's three of them over there talking to one person. I, I can barely get anyone to look at me. I want to buy a projector. You know, I, I would like you to take my $600. <laughs> take my money, please. Yes, please take my money. <laughs> uh, well, they, they got to get it over there. I went back over there. And I said, hey, guys, just real quick, need help on the projector. Oh, just one more moment, sir. And I look at my wife, and I, then all of a sudden it happened. I said, you know, I really haven't done that much research on this projector. Do I even really need this? Do I even really need this projector? And uh, I said, I'll come back later. And we're walking out the store. I said, you know what? I'm not coming back here. These guys are, you know, I, I said a word. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the, the Best Buy, I, I had a customer, you know, walk in, ready. There had been somebody standing there with a projector. I said, here's $600. There had been nothing else to say. Now there's nothing. I'm not going to buy something from them ever again. I, I was not happy about it. Talk about killing a sale. I just, I mean, they should be indicted for sale murder. <laughs> be arrested. I think salespeople should be arrested like doctors malpractice, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I know you're dealing with these retail employees that make a certain amount of bucks per hour. But, you know, if you're the general manager... You see that kind of thing happening. Uh, it's, that's got to give you an aneurysm. Nobody. I talked to you. Talked to four people. No one had ownership. Nobody cared. Everyone's pointing fingers, and they yeah. missed out. Uh, th- apparently, three people paying attention to this one person. Maybe they were spending fifty grand, and it were was they okay. cuter than you? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I can confidently say they weren't. And that's not saying a lot, but this right, is just, relative. Just... Just looking at all the elements here. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on you here. You asked. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just check it. So there's Best Buy for the blunder of the week. Shame on you, Best Buy. Shame on you. Money in hand and you refuse it. Yep. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the most basic thing in business, right? Customer wants your product. You say, okay, here it is. And make it as easy as possible. Okay, here it is. Yeah. Keep your credit card. Go was not easy. Gone. So I will be stopping by Office Depot later today to buy a projector. Man, good old Office Depot. Yep. Okay. Well, that's going uh, about going to do it today for Maximize Your Influence. Everybody, we appreciate you listening. Follow us on Twitter at InfluenceMax. Like us on Facebook. And subscribe to the show via iTunes or the Windows Marketplace or Stitcher Radio or SoundCloud. I know there's a bunch of them. We probably ought to update where they can get the show. But uh, those are the ones that I can think of right now. We (laughs) look forward to having you uh, listen to next week's episode, and we'll talk to you then. Thanks. Take care. Persuade with power.